This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Special Edition Justice League. Special edition Justice League. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I'm joined today by Mike Romo. Booyah. And Ryan Haupt. 
Excelsior. As we talk about Justice League. All right. The latest film from the DC universe. I don't even know what people are calling DC it. DC Cinematic Universe. I've heard it referred to as such. DCCU? That's that's clunky. <laughs> Dooku. Spoiler warning for if you haven't seen the movie and you want to come back. Uh, you want to be spoiled. Pause the show. Come back. Uh, so yep. this is... I don't even know where to, where to begin describing what this is. This is a culmination of years of anticipation to bring DC's iconic superheroes in one film together to battle odds and foes that could only be imagined by the brains of DC, Jeff Johns, and company. Well, that explains why there was all of six people in the theater with me yesterday. All right, hold on. <laughs> Easy, <laughs> Chief. So, uh, you know, we had uh, Man of Steel, and then we had Batman v Superman, and instead of building up all of the... Oh, then we had Wonder Woman, of course. And Wonder so Woman. Can't forget Wonder Woman. And then uh, instead of Green Lantern, all of Suicide these, Squad. No, Green Lantern. Su- we, first of all, Green Lantern doesn't count. Second of all, we don't talk about <laughs> Suicide Squad anymore. <laughs> instead Pretty of building sure. up all the solo characters the way Marvel did it, DC, DC decided to jump in the deep end into the billion-dollar pool and go right for the team up. And you know, quite famously, Zack Snyder started the film, and then most of the way through, unfortunately, he suffered uh. a very horrible family tragedy and stepped away from the film. Uh, Warner Brothers brought in Joss Whedon to finish the movie. They did $25 million worth of reshoots. And oh. and so this is what we have, Justice League, here, which is features uh, Ben Affleck's Batman and Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman and uh, Ezra Miller's Flash and, was it, uh, and Jason Momoa's Aquaman and Ray Fisher's Cyborg and, of course, spoiler, Henry Cavill's Superman. But not Henry Cavill's mustache. Well, we'll talk about well, that in a second. I um, think... So... We'll just dive right in because it's actually it is actually really interesting discussion. Yeah, this is uh, this a is lot an incredibly of interesting film. Yeah, I think I was not alone in th- in walking in thinking this was going to be an unmitigated disaster, and I didn't think it was a disaster. I thought it was fine as a first draft. If someone had come to me and said this was a first draft of the film, I said that's okay. Why don't you flesh it out a little bit, right, and go from there? And then I think the main takeaway is. When you have two filmmakers who have distinctly different styles, you get kind of a mishmash of a film. I, I think what's really interesting here is you have not only two different, completely different styles, but both styles that seem kind of aging right now. Mm. Kind of like not all that current. Sort of, I felt like the, the quippy superhero thing was really, really fun when it came out, and now I'm so over it. People uh, still love it, though. It's Marvel's bread and butter. And, yeah, uh, and, it, and it's amazing how they can make it work. And maybe it's just the characters themselves. But uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. But it is really interesting. You, th- From an editorial p- point of view, if you're trying to edit a film together and you have two distinctly different kinds of storytellers, it does show the limitations of editing and the ability to sell co- a coherent story or you have to do what they did here and has will have one director take care of a certain style of storytelling beats that supports sort of this architecture of action and and movement and peril with the other director's beats because you could definitely tell really uh who directed which scenes and i'm not just talking about the mustache stuff (laughs) well that that was a real good indicator yeah (laughs) Um, it was really (laughs) <laughs> Ryan, Ryan, what were your overall thoughts, like your general high-level thoughts on the movie? Yeah, I actually didn't hate it. Um, like you said, I think it was al- almost as passable. Like if I was if I was grading this as an exam, they would probably get us, you know, I know we'll probably give it actual letter grades later, but they would get 
a passing grade, but it would still be a passing grade with a come see me for a discussion after class. Yeah, <laughs> you need I, to I, talk I, about your, your future in this course. I had a long conversation about it after, and uh, like I think there's a good there's good bones here. It's just that it, uh, first of all, they, one of the things they were really super concerned about apparently was keeping it short because people complained about the length of Batman v Superman, and quite frankly, that wasn't the length that was the problem with that movie, Warner Brothers. It was the actual what was happening in that length. When no one cares about a two and a half hour movie when it's good. Yeah, and the thing is, this could have used another half hour. Yeah, and so I they thought. cut it way down. The actual running time of the film was under two hours. They, that was the mandate. It had to be had to be under two hours uh, without the credits. Right. The result when you have all of these characters is that it moves so quickly from beat to beat to beat that you didn't really feel like... I didn't feel like a lot of stuff was earned. And so that's where well, I would have thought we'll talk kind of about flesh that. it out a little bit. Although, yeah. before we talk about that, I will say one thing this movie did that other superhero movies haven't really done, mm. I actually thought it worked, mm. was it eschewed the origin story. I thought... I mean, I, I realize I know these characters pretty well, but I also talked to people who didn't, and like, I feel like you got enough of Aquaman to know who he was. I feel like you got it enough of the flash now granted we have a flash tv show people have, a lot of people have seen and i feel like the, the cyborg's origin story was told enough we didn't we don't need those origins told i yeah. thought that was one of the things that did well was say here's who the characters are in one scene and we don't have to worry about the whole process i thought that worked yeah i would agree yeah. with that sure sure I, th- I mean i thought it was you know you got little touch points of what their emotional truths were with their relationships with the fathers and that kind of thing so you did get a little deepness i thought what was really really interesting though is you know, seeing Wonder Woman, who for me was going to, I thought would be the sort of the heart and soul of this, really just kind of, I thought, personally, just sort of sidelined on this as a character. I, I She's so charming. I She's just, I, you know, I think the curse for me for this movie, I just thought it was so terribly boring. The whole middle was really boring. The whole middle I was, was falling really asleep and sort of even just, I was just like, this is just so boring. And, and what a disappointment. I thought that the movie would be sort of a, a spectacular failure for, because it was going to be too bombastic and too crazy and too, like, over the top. And this just seemed, this, I mean, I thought the CW shows, when they do their crossovers, are far more interesting, more compelling. And, then, you know, that's not a fair comparison, maybe. But you think with all this money and with all this creative force and all these genius people behind it, you know, I use genius in italics. It was just boring. I just who cared? I mean, and the and I maybe it was because the quote unquote big bad was so stereotypical. And we we're talking about yeah. a guy named Steppenwolf who I kept. I don't know why I kept just sort of giggling whenever I heard the word Steppenwolf. <laughs> but then like it was a an unmotivated thing. And then and then all of these butterfly guys. What's the Adult Swim show where it's the two brothers and the guy with curly hair and they go solve crimes? It's a monarch. The monarch is the bad guy. Those oh, the Venture little, Bros. Yeah, Venture Bros. The bad guys, the little flying People, dudes. I, I don't watch that show, but I'm sure there were plenty of plenty of listeners that were screaming at us just now. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> How well, long it took us to get there? But yeah, yeah. But but Venture they looked Bros. exactly like that. I just I just thought the design and the stakes were sort of anemic. And they they went to great pains to set up how terrible the world was without Superman, <laughs> and it just seemed kind of normal. It didn't seem that bad. It just well, seemed like people were having a bad day. An- another thing I thought about after was that <laughs> you almost kind of have to not. You have to kind of look at this as a reboot of the DC animated. Uh, not animated, sorry, because Ryan's here. Uh, it wasn't DC, animated. The animated. It was animated. The DC <laughs> world movie world because the Superman they were talking about was not the Superman from the previous movies. Well, he certainly didn't sound the same. He was dark I mean, who, and broody. Nor and, was he colored the same. Yeah, I mean, this was almost a brand new Superman. I, we never in the past bought the Superman-Lois relationship. 
Right. Uh, they, they didn't ever. They never earned that one. No. The way they talked about it in the beginning, like the whole world was in mourning because he was dead. As far as I remember, and I try not to think about the movie as too much at all, but the world didn't seem to like Superman too much in the last movie. Right. So it almost was like, you know what? We realize that was a really horrible version of Superman. We're going to start over and just kind of pretend like it's the old Superman version that everybody loves. And that's the feeling I got from this. You're right. The suit was different, although I don't know why Superman needs painted on muscles on his suit. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it, I mean, I guess that but they it was tried bright. to do that. It was bright with- and colorful as opposed to the previous films. They tried to do that with the opening sequence, which, you know, the sort of the uh, phone video, which sort of sets up. That was a podcast, Mike. Podcast, right. That's right. Which, you know, you know, all those podcasts that people film with video on their phone. Vertical and all that stuff. Um, (laughs) And it was like one of those weird things for me. It it just felt like, well, what will be sort of fan pleasing? What will be this fluffiest piece of content that we can throw up there to humanize Superman? And and then he's like, what do you love the most about humanity? And then he doesn't get a chance to answer. And I'm like, are we really, is this what we're going to watch now? It just seems so cheap to me. It's a, yeah, it was I, a I fu- so frustrating. That up, I kind of thought they were setting that up to come back to later. Right. Like he right. would eventually, because he doesn't say anything, it just cuts away. And so yeah. you never find out what his favorite thing about Earth is. I didn't, I didn't hear a word that was happening because I was transfixed by the face, which was... The upper lip. The, the upper un- lip. The was, that Valley should get a face, co-star. Which, co-star for the upper lip. Uh... I, I have not been that uncomfortable looking at somebody's face since since Rogue One and and uh, the de-aged uh, Princess Leia and. and I mean, Peter should we get a little Parker. background? Do people understand what we're talking about? So, in after they finished the movie, Henry Cavill went off to shoot the new Mission Impossible film, in which he has characterized a mustache. They had to bring him back to reshoot uh, the Joss Whedon stuff. Paramount, who does Mission Impossible, would not let him shave the mustache, so they had to spend a whole lot of money, and they should have spent a little more digitally removing the mustache and what I, what I felt the result was that his upper lip yeah. it didn't really move in conjunction with his face properly and so that right. I, I couldn't stop looking at that whenever I saw it on screen and it was really interesting to see the original Cavill footage yes because it, it gave me the impression that Superman really wasn't supposed to be in the movie all that much or maybe they just hadn't gotten around to shooting it but then that doesn't make sense I, I it just seemed like they took a real turn and they injected all of these humanity scenes, not in like the cafe scene and the bar scene in Suicide Squad. And they try to inject all these scenes to make it warmer and fuzzier. And I guess that's what you're saying at the top, Connor, that they, they wanted to inject more humor in it. And I, I don't know. I guess maybe I'm just over the Joss Whedon. I've been – I've just never thought it was that funny that, oh, humans, they're you know, superheroes. They're just like us, you know, talking about brunch I mean, come on, you know yeah, that just, was not a funny well, joke. I, I mean, they're not. They're not. They're, none of them are funny jokes. I mean, w- there was one funny joke about when Batman bought when he bought the bank. Yeah, that was. And funny. he made a joke, and Connor, you laughed at it, and I never. I couldn't even make it out because the dialogue was so muffled. It, he said, "It's like a reflex." And it was, yeah, it was oh. funny. that was pretty funny. That was no. That was that was a good line. Sure, great jokes. Jokes were they're funny, and obviously humor is very <laughs> subjective. And sure. and but I thought a lot of this fell flat. A lot, a lot of the cutaway one-liner jokes during the action were were, were dumb. Did you guys real quick? Did yeah. you see two D or three D? Two D. Two D. Man, what do you what do you what do you mean? Got, an animal. Hey man, I only had so much time yesterday, and the closest theater was only it's a you know my closest theater to where I live is an old one screen from 1936. And Ooh, so awesome. when they, you know, when it's in 3D, I got to see it in 3D. I don't really get mm. the, the option. I didn't even think 3D was an option. None of the theaters around here were showing in 3D. Yeah, the conversion wasn't great. Let's go back to a point Mike made earlier, which I really agree with, is that I've been waiting my entire 
known life to see yep. a big spectacle, Justice League versus the denizens of Apocalypse. Darkseid <laughs> and all of his minions. I've been waiting for that my whole life. And so I was, a, you know, there's a part of me that was excited because if all my trepidations aside, this is what I've been waiting for. And I like Steppenwolf as a character. He's, he's uh, formidable and interesting. And fortunately, he was not on the screen. It was this, I just hate these weird mishmash bad CG villain. I mean, Kieran Hines, the actor who played him, is a really terrific actor, but he was... Mance Raider from, from Game of Thrones. Mance Raider from Game of Thrones. Caesar from Rome. He's a terrific actor. Yes. But he was, you know, motion captured into oblivion. His face barely moved when the character would talk. And it's kind of like, Mike, when we talk about on Star Trek with the Klingons. It's like when, you're, when your villain's faces can barely move because there's so much, in the Klingons' case is makeup, in this case is CG... Right. It's, it's not really intimidating. Oh, right, right. And, and the design, it's just... It's my biggest complaint of these movies is, is that the design is terrible. The, the, art, the art direction, the character designs, aside from Wonder Woman's costume and Batman's first costume. I hated his second silver, silvery costume. But Yeah, and I was could, actually... I was thinking about design stuff a lot because how... like It's crazy that we have two movies that came out in the same month that are both, you know homages to Jack Kirby comics, right? right. Thor yeah, Ragnarok totally. yeah. and this. Great. And like yeah. Thor Ragnarok did such a better job of capturing the insane Kirbiness of That's Kirby comics. That's because Marvel embraces the nuttiness of comic book, the look of comic books, whereas DC tries to run and hide as fast as it possibly can from, the, from that. And like if you could, if, if I gave you a thousand dollars, could you sit down right now and draw from memory what Seven Wolf looked like in this movie? No. You couldn't. There were no, no details on his body. It was just this brown, gray, green mishmash and that's how all these movies kind of look. You know, that, it's, that, it's that thing we complain about for the end of Wonder Woman, where this really interesting and fun movie became this sort of video game, bad video game fight at the end. Yeah, boss In, ter- boss in level. terms of the way it looked. Yeah. And it's the same thing here, just writ large the entire film, is that there's this, this design that they've created for these, this world that is just so ugly, and it's dark, and it's... There's not, I mean, I showed Megan... A picture of Steppenwolf from the comics after she's like, oh, that's, he should have looked like that. I was like, yes, because that's right. interesting. This was just a guy covered in, I don't even, I couldn't even, I couldn't, uh, I could draw maybe his helmet, at least the, I, the silhouette, but I, I couldn't draw I anything know. else about it. I almost laughed out loud when they showed the interior of Bruce Wayne's private plane, and even the interior of his plane is like dark and brooding and looks <laughs> like he, you know, rip off of the Kryptonian elements from Man of Steel. And we're just like, what is going on? Totally. <laughs> he's paying to have like dark features installed on a private jet just so he can brood better. I mean, you, I mean, you have I did, to embrace it, the way these things look, especially when it's Kirby designed. Come on. Well, and that's the whole thing. I remember, so I was talking to Connor about this before. It's like when I was a kid, and I know I hate entering opening sentences like that, but like I was all about Superman and all about Batman. I loved the Flash. I loved all these guys. And I always considered Justice League as the adult comic. Like when I was a kid buying books, I was like, someday I'll be mature enough to really be able to handle all of my favorite heroes on a team. The Justice League has always been on this huge pedestal for me. And there's a there's a regalness that there's and there's like this history and this power behind the Justice League that the Avengers doesn't doesn't have. The Avengers just seems freer, more fun, more energetic. But there's something sort of profound about just the words Justice League. And I never felt at any point where they did they embrace the the regalness of the the comic. 
like how epic it should have felt. It like it was so sad that when we finally saw Avengers Mansion, it's just Bruce looking for some new real estate. You know, there's <laughs> just no the headquarters. Yeah, I, mean, I got the sense that was his old mansion. That was that was Wayne Manor. Yeah, it was his old, ma- yeah, yeah. Right, his old manor, right? And then and then this terrible scene where Lex Luthor is out, and then he's got to talk to the, what dead, whatever the dead shot dead eye Slade Wilson, Will Slade Wilson, who I thought from the back was Deadpool for a brief second. Well, that's the reason for that yeah. because they. Deadpool is a ripoff of Deathstroke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was really, I mean, it was really, really funny. I was like, oh, this will be really, break all that, break everything. But and then, you know. <laughs> it makes sense, nothing matters. <laughs> but, yeah. And then you, then they had that, that cut scene. I, you know, actually, Connor, I forget what the other cut scene was. So the first one was the really terrible Flash Superman race. Oh. oh I just say it was terrible. Because Superman wasn't running. Yeah, that was dumb. Yeah, he's supposed to, he's yeah, supposed to run because it's a foot race. I mean that's that's the that's I, the whole point. That's the whole point. Who can run faster? Even Smallville got that right. <laughs> right, I forgot that. I completely in. The- we're really ragging on a lot on this a lot. I don't, and there are definitely sorry, things. To I don't rag mean on. to rag on. I want to talk about some of the things that did work because because as we all said in the beginning, it did, at least Ryan and I did, it did kind of work in some ways. Oh, oh one more point. <laughs> Pen Affleck's not comfortable being that big. He's just no. He he got real big for the role, and then whenever he moved, it just felt like he was not used to carrying around these twenty extra pounds of muscle. He just was not. I believe the kids these days are saying swole. He was not used to being that swole. Um, and then when they put the suit on, he got even swoller because the suit suit's thick, and it just looked like he couldn't move very well. Gal Gadot obviously is terrific as Wonder Woman. Every time she's on the screen, she's illuminating, and I love her very much. Uh, I loved Jason Momoa's Aquaman. I kind of knew what things Perfect. I thought I would from the trailers. He was great. He was great. Okay, uh, Though I, I diverged slightly from you though guys the, here. Though the scene when he went underwater to fight them, when we're, we'll, let's get back to the plot for a second because it doesn't make any sense. When he goes back uh, underwater to fight them over the mother box, I found myself thinking, oh God, what is his solo movie going to be like? He is doesn't, it going to be mostly yeah. silent? Yeah. Or, or is, she gonna, is Mara going to be constantly creating these oxygen bubbles for people to talk in? Anyway. Speaking, all right, so if, if we wanted to sum up the plot very quickly, yeah. essentially Steppenwolf has come to Earth to get the three MacGuffins of power. And mother when boxes. he assembles the, yeah, mother boxes, MacGuffins. Yeah. And when he assembles the three MacGuffins of power, he will be able to make Something Earth like Apocalypse. But it turns out there are no real stakes, and mm-hmm. nothing bad was ever going to happen. And the Justice League forms to stop him, and then they're all friends. Somehow. How did we feel about the blatant ripoff of Lord of the Rings flashback? I liked it. I kind of liked it too. <laughs> I kind of liked it, it too. That, when they showed the Atlanteans yeah, so, and the Amazonians and the old gods yeah. and the Green Lanterns teaming up. Yeah, that was fight. my favorite. That was one of my favorite parts. But it was like totally rip off of, of the flashback oh, for to sure. fighting Sauron. But I was like, you know what? Why it not? Looks I love cool, it. and it looks and it feels epic. I like it. And I yeah. love the I love seeing the Green Lantern stuff there. And I loved the whole Amazon versus Atlantean kind of tension. That yeah. I was thrilled. For that, and I wanted yeah. more of that. that. That dynamic for me was the most entertaining, and I did think Momoa did a great job, and I loved it when he sat on the lasso. It was a cheap <laughs> joke, but I thought they went through, went with it great because you kind of thought that that was going to happen. He embraced that. Yeah, he embraced. So that's the thing. So why why are the Marvels movies successful? I think is because the actors are giving permission to embrace everything that's crazy about these characters and these stories, and just go for it and be unrestrained. And Aquaman. He just Momoa just went for it. He's like, "This is it. This movie might be my the biggest thing ever, and I'm gonna be Aquaman for the ages." And I I thought he did terrific. I I loved watching him. I thought his I thought 
His hair was fantastic. <laughs> See, I thought I thought he was great. I just the character he was playing, I didn't recognize as Aquaman, which is sure. fine. Whatever, like sure. that's for sure. I'm not gonna. I'm it's, not gonna. It's a that, version but... of Aquaman. It's base. It, it, it's not exact, but it's kind of the Brave and the Bold Aquaman from the cartoon plus the '90s Aquaman. Plus a l- well, I guess that's the same Aquaman. I was gonna say a little bit of the JLA Aquaman from Grant Morrison, but it's the same '90s Aquaman. It's, a little, it's like '90s Aquaman plus the Brave and the Bold Aquaman, uh, kind of. Sort now of. again, I mentioned I saw this in a very old theater, and yeah. they cropped the movie slightly off. So the scenes in Iceland and the scenes in Russia, I could not read the subtitles. Oh no way! So, that's I, have, so I have no idea what happened. In well, those that's funny because either. Mike and I ended up seeing it at this yeah. theater. We had two options, and we had time in the, in the sort of early evenings. We chose that, so we would have still have the evening open. Ended up seeing it in like a really this one of the smallest screens in the whole theater, for the second smallest yeah. screen. So it felt very oddly intimate. It felt like an art house version of Justice League. It was cool. <laughs> yeah. People were in uh, berets smoking cigarettes. So Aquaman, I thought Aquaman was great. Wonder Woman was obviously great. Cyborg was fine. I think the scene on Themyscira when Steppenwolf comes to get the mother box from... So basically, the three MacGuffins, one was given to yeah. humans, one was given to the Amazons, and one was given to the Atlanteans. Again, just like Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Blatant ripoff. <laughs> and men just buried them theirs in the ground because they knew they would all fight over it. The Amazonians and the Atlanteans built special chambers to hold them, and Steppenwolf has to go around and grab them. And the scene where he goes to Themyscira, and it's the big battle between the Amazons and the Parademons, and there's crazy horseback riding. I thought that was thrilling. I actually, really I love the keep away game. You know where they, yeah. you know the, the the Amazonian the the part where she had to. She that tied it. She tied it to her arrow and shot it. That that was. I thought that was terrific. I really yeah. did. I thought that Again, was the the thing. Wonder Woman stuff is fantastic. Like more of that. Like for some reason that was such. And it it reminded me of the Wonder Woman film. Just the acrobatics and the way they the women worked together. Like that was poetry. I, it was, yeah. That was probably I thought the most successful action sequence of the film. Like I, and I really liked you know the the Amazonians with the hammers who like yeah. brought down oh. the chamber, but are yeah, like holding it up for yeah. assault to and run they through. Like, that was so themselves. cool. Oh, yeah. it was so great. See, so, yeah, I really liked that scene. That was a great sequence. Okay, let's continue to go to the characters. So we had because I'm, I'm I'm building up to a couple of them. So what do we think of Cyborg? I'm sorry, uh, Silver Iron Man. <laughs> I mean, Just, whatever. Yeah, it's it's the Jeff Johns version. You know, they're ret, they're retconning it so that he was created with apocalyptic technology, which I get it. It sort of makes sense. You know, it was bring, fine. Do another hero. Save some money. You don't have to. I mean, come on. It just. I, I don't know what the benefit is. So he can pl- so he can put R two D two hands and talk to computers. Like I just for I mean I was just he was boring. I thought his story arc was boring. I don't think he added much value. I didn't. I just didn't care. Maybe it's just got. He, I've always thought of. I met him with the Teen Titans way back in the day, and he sort of lives there in my head. Um, I don't have any if, if, real relationship with him. So maybe if there are a lot of cyborg fans out there, I hope that they enjoyed well, it. Well, there probably are, Ryan. You probably better know this better. The, there's yeah. a lot from the Teen Titans cartoon. In fact, they threw mm-hmm. in they threw in the booyah catchphrase from the cartoon into the movie. Um, but so lame for me. I am. I you know. Ron, Mike and I are similar age. I, he's always a Teen Titan to me, and I get it's interesting to have a guy in the team who's technologically based. It adds some racial diversity to the team, which is good. Sure, he's just sort of a blank slate, and I just I like him better when he is actually a cyborg and not just robot with a human face on it. Yeah, and that's my problem. I don't like the I haven't liked the new Fifty Two version. I don't I liked him when he was, you know, the Wolfman and Perez version that he, his half his body was human and half was robot. That was more there was more tension there as opposed to. A guy who's basically just a robot. 
at this point. He has no human skin other than on his face. But he was sort of a non-factor. I kind of liked the sequence with him at the end with Superman. They had to pull the mother boxes apart. But other than that, Superman, as we mentioned, was hardly in it, though he was more enjoyable here and recognizable as Superman than he has been in the past. I thought I thought his sort of truth, justice, the American way sort of version of him was still ham fisted. I still think DC doesn't know what to do with Superman. I don't even think they like the character. I, 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 I feel so badly for Cavill because there are these moments where you see these glimmers of what he could be as Superman. And I, I still don't feel like we've seen what he's capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I wonder about that because I haven't seen him in a ton of other stuff. Like, is, is he a good actor? Because obviously he looks the part very well, but they're not giving him anything to do with it. And they're never giving him lines that work as Superman. And so I honestly don't know if he could be this, the Chris Reeve replacement we keep hoping for. Well, hold on. There's no one that's ever going to rep- shut sure. your mouth. That's <laughs> No one's ever going to replace Christopher Reeve. Um, I've only ever seen him in the uh, that movie with uh, with the... What's that movie? You know what I'm talking about. Army, the Army Hammer one? Yes. The, a Man from Uncle. A Man from Uncle. I only saw him in that. That's the only one I've ever seen him in, other than Superman, I think. But, he, I mean, he's fine. He's not like, he's he not Anthony Hopkins. Amazing. But he's, he's a good actor. He's not a bad actor. But it was really interesting, though, his accent, like, in some of the, the yes, reshoots. It changed. Was, I th- it was like, it was a different dude. I mean, it, it was so jarring. Like... I thought it was really, really obvious, and it was disconcerting almost. I felt like, like, wait, wait, dude, do that scene again. Let's do another take. You're not doing. You're not even playing the character. And there was this one flash of extra violence when he comes back to life and he just beats the crap out of something, and it's like, oh right, we got to keep, we got to both love and fear Superman. Okay, well, he beats up the great. Justice League after he comes out of the after he comes back. To yeah, life. what did you guys think of that scene? I think that scene might be. It's one of the more jarring scenes in the movie, just because it it doesn't feel of a piece with the rest of the film. <laughs> no, I just I'm so tired of Superman being this nuke that we have to tiptoe around that has this you know feather trigger or whatever. That we had to worry about. Well, that to me, it was more about like, I didn't mind it necessarily because, you know, it's kind of like the coming out of the Lazarus pit confusion. Sure. But, but to be so violent. Just reinforce that the, like, he, you know, the big guns that, that Batman brings in to stop him is Lois Lane. It just, it just reminded me that they, they never earned that relationship in any of those, either one of those Superman movies, quote unquote Superman movies. Right. What do you guys think? The, there was a scene where Batman sort of. Is well, hang on, real. Wait, before we before we move away from the the fight against Superman, oh, sh- yeah, I do want to say I do want to say I actually did like the scene where he's fast enough to like look over and see the Flash. Oh, I love that scene. Oh, that yeah. stuff is great. Yeah. Like, yeah. but I want to I want to make sure that we acknowledge that those little touches, when they're done well, work yeah. really well. Like, I like he basically Superman is fighting off. Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and Cyborg simultaneously, and then so Barry runs around, and Superman, like, in slow motion, just looks over at him and basically gives him the game on face, and it was great. And and that, that, for me, is where Snyder excels in those tiny little action moments. That felt like a Snyder thing. And, like, where he really plays with time a bit, and it's I guess it's a fairly obvious moment to do so, but I thought that was very effective and really gave you insight into just how powerful Superman is. I thought that was really well done, for sure. All right, so Batman, Ben Affleck, I, I think he's okay. We, sure. I, he's fine. I like the opening sequence where 
you know, he beats up the guy to get him to, to, to feel fear to attract a parademon. I like that. I mean, I don't know if that was a Snyder thing or a Whedon thing, but if, you know, it's, it's always felt like we talked about this before in the Batman v Superman podcast that, it, you know, Snyder just wanted to do a Batman movie. And I think he, he gets Batman much more than he ever got Superman. But he's fine, other than what I mentioned before, is where he doesn't feel comfortable in the bulk. And then I, I really hated the suit at the end, the sort of silver and suit. Yeah, he basically pulled out a more armored suit at, for the final battle sequence, which... I, yeah. I, I personally liked... I wanted to see more of him as Bruce. I, I don't. I think I, I just like him that way a little bit. And then... Um, he was mostly Bruce. That I, was part I of the middle, the middle maybe, part where they were never yeah. in costume. I, I, I feel like he felt older in the last movie. I don't know if... I think he, he just felt tired. I don't yeah. know if he was more Botoxed up this time, but his face seemed smoother, but his hair was less gray. And Yeah. Although it was funny that his mask has crow's feet. Did you notice that? No, he put he put crow's feet into the mask. There was that one scene between him and Diana that sort of stuck out with me when he mentions, uh, oh, sorry, Chris Pine's character in some Steve sort Trevor. of weird Steve Trevor, Trevor's character in a weird way, and then she punches him. Yeah, that and, felt like it. That felt to me like someone at some point made an editing decision to leave that scene in, even though there's a previous scene that set that up more that got cut. Hmm. To me, I, well, I think he's jealous. I, He's totally jealous, and they, they tease that a little bit with Alfred kind of basically saying, like, do you want to go to the dance with me? Should I send sure. her a note with a yes or a no to circle? I like the scene where she fixed his shoulder. I yeah, saw that how was nice. bruised he was. Like, I think they have, the Affleck and Godot are really good together. They have good scene chemistry. But I'm, I'm building to get to the, the Flash, to me, the biggest conundrum of a character here. Hate, For sure. hate, hate the costume. Yep. Oh, terrible. We knew this would be tough because Mike and I are, are huge fans of the TV show Flash. And so it was going to be a hard comparison. I don't know if there's ever been a moment like this where you've had a somewhat long-running TV show popular in its, in its world of one character, and then, then there's a big screen version of them uh, to compare them to. I like Ezra Miller. He's charming. I thought his shtick was dialed up too high. Mm-hmm. And if Barry's a super smart science guy who built his own flash suit and had his own, like, layer full of tv screens and, and technology uh, to play up how dumb he was about like directions and things like that was was incongruous to me did not like the the dumbing yeah i didn't like him being dumbed down for running east like that's just silly and honestly you know i i really struggle with why they didn't just use wally in this movie like he was playing a much flash more now i know but he was playing such a wally type version of the flash in the way he characterized Barry, and I, I don't know. I, I just Nothing felt like it was, just, it was just weird for him, for him, his jokes to be constantly about him being confused or not knowing how to fight or right. him admitting some sort of weakness. And the guy is, is clearly working to be a hero. And, you know, I thought his scenes with Jason Patrick, right, with his dad were interesting, though they felt kind of out of place. I mean, it was nice. I guess it's nice to know his dad's. And it was just one of those things where, like, oh, well, I've seen the show, so I understand this relationship. I get it. I think uh, the show being out there lets us feel a little bit more for him. Mm-hmm. Why did you say Jason Patrick? It was Billy Crudup. Billy oh, Crudup. I always do that. I sorry, Billy Crudup. I I don't know, but right. it was one of those things where he's such a great character, and yet he was kept being had lines sort of to undercut how great he is, and. He just, I don't know, I, maybe people need someone to be the fall guy because he's young, I guess. But he just, his lines were really, really bad. 
Oh, that's the bat symbol. That's your symbol. Duh. Oh, we shouldn't speak so loud. Yeah, like that stuff I hated. But I like that. And all that was also in the trailer, too. So I think some of that might work if I hadn't seen the trailers where that are sure. the bad sure. delivery of the joke. I don't know. He's. A, I mean, there should be a wide-eyed character, right, who's like, this is crazy. And so that's and, and the thing about The Flash was he was always a fan. He was the guy who read comics on the team. Well, Barry Allen named himself The Flash because he had read Flash comics starring Jake Eric. That's right, so like, he was always they, the superhero fan. So the idea that he would run around the Batcave and be all excited to see it all, that worked for me. But it was the, sure. it was the constant undercutting. And I also liked his arc where, you know, he starts off, I don't really fight people. I just kind of show up real fast and push things. And... And his arc at the tour at the end, he's got to save people. Although he only really saves the one family, which we no idea what any of them said. I mean, the arc—it's okay. They didn't <laughs> really say anything. The, they're coming. They're coming. That kind of thing. You don't yeah. know. The arc of him going from non-confident hero to someone who has to be a hero—it was good in theory. I just don't think it played out particularly effectively. I mean, saving the family was important, but he should have done something really important. To save the day, if that was the Flash arc, Flash is the guy who ultimately on. will sacrifice himself for everyone else. Like for sure, and and I think that's a really good point because I was I was troubled with how they brought down Steppenwolf, which was basically oh, just make sh- make sure he gets really scared, and then all the <laughs> butterfly guys will come and attack yeah, him. It was, which, I've, which been, I've was, been avoiding this discussion because that was so dumb. And then he'll which, boom tube away, which it feels like more of a, pract- a tactical retreat than a defeat. Right. But it, it seemed to me like he can come so, right back. So fear. Like, you know, because in other movies, I think we, we treat fear in a different way and it can bring us you, – you overcome it and it's a call to action. You, you you address your fear, you engage your fear, and it changes you in a way. But here in this film, if you're scared, you're, oh, you're, you get destroyed. And you, Mike, are you, you saying you, that this movie could have benefited from a character who has the ability to overcome great fear? <laughs> well, no. I just – it was just – it was just a weird taste. You know, there's a lot of things that make people nervous – in life and in the world, and it's like, oh, the big, the villain's biggest weakness is that he was scared of shit, and then that that was how he was brought down. <laughs> but even it wasn't even his weakness; it just was something he felt, and so the pair he felt, and then all. Well, I mean, but that's it's not like Flash. To your point, it's not like Flash did something incredible, or Cyborg pulled something out, right. or Superman and Batman did this thing that they hadn't done before. They didn't outsmart him. They didn't, did yeah. yeah, it's just like, oh my god, he's super scared. Okay, now all the bees are gonna get him. And there could have been this, this this wonderful moment where Aquaman did something cool more than just being thrown by Cyborg. Oh, that whole sequence was cool too, even though we saw it t- to death in the trailer. I thought it was fine, but it's just for me. I thought the taking down of Steppenwolf was was a moment that I they all felt like. I guess it's almost like when a Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones shoots the guy with the sword because yeah. Harrison Ford is really sick and just couldn't do it that day, and he just shoots the guy. Yeah. It's like they just sort of gave up at the end of the film. And I think there were a lot of opportunities for the Flash to really rise up. Okay, I guess I guess at the end of the day, we're really excited he got a new job and super. That's super great. But like for me, I just felt the ending was a real, real letdown, and that's surprising. Because usually Snyder is all about the big endings, which are usually not well done, but at least there's something to think about. I mean, also, if you think about it, it's kind of the same ending as Wonder Woman, in which they have to fight a giant horned god, and Wonder Woman did it much better. Even though that was the least favorite part of the movie, it's still much better than what they ended up doing here. At least what she did was actually defeat him, as opposed to just, as you said, drive him into a corner to feel fear and then escape via boom tube. It wasn't a a victory. He can just... he can turn around again and come back. Uh, yeah, I kind of was left wondering 
I mean, I get that, you know, they, they wanted to do this Lord of the Ringsification of the DC universe, but I still feel like you could have done almost this exact same movie with Darkseid and the anti-life equation. And so I guess they did Steppenwolf because they felt like they were going to do the, the Marvel thing and build up to Darkseid. Yes. But I don't know that this movie is going to be successful enough that they're ever going to get that chance. Well, if you recall, originally this was announced as Justice League Part 1. Oh, yeah, that's a good point, yeah. Everything's out the window now with, with the horrible things that happened to, to Snyder and and the, the way this movie is, at this point, at the time of recording, tracking at less than 100 million opening weekend, which is a disaster wow. of epic proportions for, wow. for, for Warner Brothers. And a hot 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. So we don't know what's going to happen in the future. I came in wanting to see it, and I'm worried. I mean, you know, just, I mean look, the, the film had production problems, and in this day of the internet and everything and news and the way it is, everybody, a lot of people are well aware of the production problems, at least people who are fans of these things. And I'm wondering what it's like for people who are sort of, who don't know, like how troubled this film's production was and how they feel about the film. And so I was really trying to give it the benefit of the doubt. Like when the when the when the lights went down, I'm like, let's forget all of this stuff and see how, how, the kind of movie that they were going to make and treat it as a movie on its own. And I think I, I come back to it. For me, this the biggest problem with this movie is that it was just profoundly boring. And a lot of the moments that I was supposed to feel some feel something to your point, Connor, didn't feel earned. Yep. And it just, it's too bad because I, the, the, the glimmers that we saw in Batman versus Superman with, with the way Wonder Woman and Superman and Batman interacted and then sort of this, the energy that could have been given with the flash. And then I, I thought Momoa for me, I thought he, I thought he was a welcome presence in this. So that was good, but there was just never enough of what I thought the potential of this film could be. And so it makes me kind of sad because it's just like, oh, there's a lot of what ifs and could ifs when I think about this film. They're, they're, I think there are good bones to build on. They just have to completely change direction. I mean, I think this is this weekend ha for Warner Brothers has to be a sign. They have to do, change this. They have to blow it up almost. I don't want to say start again, but the cast is okay. I think I like Ben Affleck as Batman. Henry Cavill's good Superman. I think when he when he's given the chance to actually be Superman, I think we saw so, some glimmers of that here. Gal Gadot's obviously a great Wonder Woman. Yeah, Jason Momoa's a great Aquaman. Ray Fisher's fine as Cyborg, and, and Ezra Miller, with the proper directing, maybe he's less annoying. And I think if that's a team they go forward with and tell a great story, I think they could tell a great story with this cast. They just haven't been able to get away from this world that's been created that's dark and grimy and ugly and not all that heroic. I don't want to turn this into a Marvel vs. DC thing, but they need to embrace that thing that Marvel has, which is these are big, bright superheroes. They're colorful. They are bombastic. And you embrace it. You, ha you gave a real big shout-out to Jack Kirby in the credits didn't, sure. and didn't embrace him. Use his designs. Use his worlds, his machines, his colors. I mean, of course the mother box would be covered in grime. I mean, of course. Right. You know, it's just... it's Yeah, and they, they had to do build a block, brick-a-brack design from Krypton, Right. Which, you know, they used a lot in the first 25 minutes of Man of Steel, which also didn't even play for me because I was thinking, like, why would a completely different foreign alien older have the same style tech as Krypton? Right. So, yeah. like, it's not even working within the universe they've already established. But there was a one. I know, it's my last okay. knock. 
and and it, it was because I I love Gal Gadot and I think she's, she's amazing as Wonder Woman. But there was this one moment at the end where it's at the end of the crime scene, and then and she's looking all heroic, and then all these kids rush up to her, and she's like, "Cause you know Wonder Woman and kids, it was really great in the first film, so let's bring some kids in on this crime scene." There, for me, there that that was like the calm, the the absolute purest representation of what Joss Whedon was trying to do was it opened with the podcast thing and closed yeah. with Wonder Woman and a bunch of kids. It's like it's like they almost should have just put for the credit sequence like a basket full of kittens and puppies, and then they would have been saying, "See, we made it warmer, we made it true, we made it fun." I just I feel like they're trying to, uh, to your point, Connor. Again, it's like they really need to to kind of blow it up and and start forward from a different point of view because when you try to lay uh, humor and softness and warmness on top of something that is cold, gray, and and steely dark and serious it's just it's just not going to work it's like it's peanut butter and mayonnaise oh, i really like that ketchup. joke before the kids when the 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 guys confessed to all of their crimes that was awesome that was they awesome in the lasso i mean i thought that yeah, was, was funny perfect the lasso stuff is great there are good moments here i mean this i don't feel the way i felt about batman v superman if i'm flipping through the channels and this is on hbo i'm gonna stop yeah. and see where it is and watch some of it i'm not angry I'm just. I'm just. I'm disappointed of, I'm because of, I feel yeah. like you have such a great, you have such a great foundation here with the with the, with the fourth world characters. No, yeah, same. And don't blow it. Don't blow it. Yeah, I'm really. I mean, the, this is all business stuff, but you know, like it's a bit in turmoil. Aquaman's done. They've shot the Aquaman movie. They keep losing directors for the Flash movie. Batman. It sounds like they may be restarting from a young Batman. Wonder Woman's going, but not till 2019. You know, they want to do a cyborg movie. I don't know that he can he can hold a solo film. No. We don't need a Flash film either. I'm sorry. We've got the Flash TV series. It's super fun. I, I think that during Good Money After Bad, that seems silly to me. I mean, if you have a weekend like this where you're – this, I mean, this was – I made the joke at the beginning so I could come back to it. This is your billion-dollar film, right? You know, Batman yeah. v Superman, the first time those characters were together with Wonder Woman didn't even crack a billion dollars, whereas Marvel does that routinely. This was your big – hope for that and this is going to this hell batman v superman opened 166 million dollar weekend this is opening right now tracking to 94 something is not right here i would not have seen it if i wasn't coming on this podcast like i had no intention of seeing it opening weekend I know lots of people who are insane to me yeah if you told me 10 years ago hey ryan there's gonna be a justice league movie and you're not gonna care i'd have slapped you in your face (laughs) yeah and i would have slapped you right back for saying bad stuff about christopher reeve but uh, but, but, but like, he's my Superman. But also him, this movie coming out so close to Thor, I think, is so interesting too. It's because, a, it's again, a rough, rough comparison, and as you said, I didn't even think about that. The Kirby comparison is really yeah. stark between these two films. One embraced it, and one ran from it. I even watched a video on YouTube of Taika Waititi breaking down one of the scenes, and even in the scene he's breaking down, he's referencing the fact that all the background textures are stylized Kirby dots. So, yeah, that's another podcast. If I'm Warner Brothers, the film group, Monday morning, us and DC Entertainment, what the fuck? What, what do we have to do here to get this back on track or we're all getting fired? Because that's all Warner Brothers has got. Well, what do they do? I mean, you keep saying they need to turn it around, do something completely different. Like, what, it, you know, do you have, not that you have to come up with it, but like, what's your idea? What would be your ideal scenario for? A, well, you can't, a, you, you can't blow up the whole thing because Wonder Woman is so popular. Like, if Wonder Woman had tanked and it had been a terrible movie and all this stuff was tanking, then you just start from scratch. But because Wonder Woman is so popular and because I think that the people of Earth would riot if you got rid of her Wonder Woman, 
you just take these characters and these actors and you and you just do the you do another film from a completely different stylistic direction. You make it bright and you make it funny and you make it happy and you make it heroic and you make it as Mike said, you have yeah. gravitas and respect for the characters and the worlds. You just you just shift. You just do it. You just I, shift I think you I think you do a Wonder Woman Superman film that is just light and awesome and high stakes. You move away from the darkness of the Batman stuff. We've had it for what, fifteen years or whatever. I get it. I get. I get. There's lots of shadows. I did think the film was kind of funny how it recreated some of Frank Miller's stills in Dark Knight. There was a couple of frames that re- reminded me of these iconograph, iconic Batman shots. But I think you know having a Flash, Superman, Wonder Woman kind of film where it is a a lot of it takes place during the day. <laughs> like right. I think you can have a lot more fun with it. Uh, because for me, hope there's hope and power and optimism in those characters that I think would be really refreshing. I mean, if I'm in charge, the next film is the you know the it's the it's, the, it's a cliche, but it's the revenge. It's the Empire Strikes Back. It's the revenge of Dark Side. You bring back a whole bunch of people from, and it's actually they actually have interesting and fun character designs. They look as close to the comics as you can make them. As Mike said, you fight during the day, maybe. Although they were in Russia, they were fighting during the day. The Superman fight took place during the day, and at the end of that scene, you have Batman lying on the grass complaining that he's injured, and I thought that was one of the stupidest shots of the entire movie, because Batman, this particular Batman does not look cool lying on the ground whimpering (laughs) with brightly green grass behind him. That's another Whedon line. Oh, yeah, yep, I'm bleeding. That's like a Firefly line. You know, it's like, come on, right? But uh, I think you just, you have to, I think you just... You yeah, you embrace what you've created here, but you do, do it from a whole different direction stylistically. People seem to not mind, most people seem to not mind that for Thor. I did, but most people didn't. You can turn hard if you embrace it and you tell it with artistic integrity. Like I said, I I thought this was okay, but I mean it, it just exposed a lot of the problems that at DC's uh, movie pop, uh, division. Right I just now. I just I just think about like. Like little kids right now, and like this is their Superman, this is their Batman. You know, thank goodness they got a great Wonder Woman. But like for me, the old Justice League Shield logo with the red, white, and blue and the yeah. stars, and just sort of the positivity of what the Justice League was truly all about. And it's not like get off. It's not like oh, the good old days are so great or whatever. But it just, I felt like there was an optimism and coolness about the Justice League that I don't think got imparted here, and it just kind of bums me out because whenever I would get the chance to read Justice League or think about Justice League. It was a really, it was a cool, positive experience. And I was really enamored and inspired by the characters. And if I'm like seven years old or eight years old now, I, I don't think necessarily I'd feel that way. And that kind of bumps me out. I do want to acknowledge that they were almost, the people behind the film were put in an almost unwinnable position when you when what happened to the movie happened to it. For sure. A hundred percent. I think this is probably the best that could have come out of this scenario. Like I said, I was expecting a complete disaster, and I don't think it was. So good on them for making something out of this situation. And it's something that's watchable, if not entirely inspiring or great, or will inspire rewatches. But it's at least it's a watchable two hours. <laughs> I mean, I was I was expecting it to. I mean, I was expecting yeah. it to not be based on based on the last two films and based on three. I keep forgetting about Wonder Woman. Cause I, don't, I don't put Wonder Woman in this group of of things. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, it's to me, it's a separate thing. Um, at least it's more, you know, so Suicide Squad was an utter disaster. Batman v Superman was so a mishmash of disappointment and interesting. Man of Steel was horrible. And so they, ha- they have to figure that out. And I, I was expecting it to be more of the same, and it was a little bit better. It was a little bit better. I have to give them the credit for it. So there you go. Any, any other final points? Green Lantern in the sequel? 
Yeah, Green Lantern's here. I, I want Orion in the sequel. Give me some, give me some brightly colored New God shtick. <laughs> uh, I want Orion and Light Ray coming through a boom tube, saying like, "We need your help, it's quick to New Genesis." You know, like let's let's go somewhere else. I hate the Earth. vertical boom tube. It's a little weird. You can't jump out of it. You can't come. You can't. I always like how they would come like running out of the boom tube. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, a couple final thoughts. I think Danny Elfman did a pretty good job with the score. Some of the songs were really obvious, but he would every once in a while use like the stinger from the the Superman score, his original Batman score, or the Wonder Woman score. I thought those were nice touches when the heroes had their hero moment. Right. Sure. I wish I wish these movies felt like they had stakes. Right. Yeah. That I think is a big problem, and yep. something that my wife Julie likes to point out is stakes don't have to be huge to feel meaningful as a viewer. Um, she points to the Jessica Jones Netflix series, which is literally, it's a, you know, it's a fight between two people essentially. Right. And the stakes feel enormous because it's done well and because the characters are developed. And so having these hordes of faceless minions for the heroes to fight against, I get makes for a cool action sequence, but it doesn't make me feel like there are stakes. Right. And I, I would, I would like some stakes. I would like steaks too, but different. For dinner. Yeah, I've been trying to yeah. cut back on red meat. <laughs> Anything? Um, any other final thoughts before we get to the ratings, Mike? No, I mean, I, I, I always, I feel bad when I bag on films because it's like, like you said, I mean, these things are really hard to make, and when you lose your director, especially under those circumstances, and then you hand it off and you just, like fix this film, I mean, that's an impossible task. And you know, for my money, it's like maybe you just you pause it or you redo it or you do, you do, you figure out something. I don't know if you can, I don't think you can fix a movie mid stride. And I think just from a piece of sort of filmic filmed entertainment, it's really, really interesting to see what they did, but I shouldn't be thinking about that while I'm watching the movie. And I thought there were some really good moments here. I think I'm sad that not more people are seeing it because I don't know if they're, if they're going to get another, we're going to get another chance for them to do this again. But I hope that they can take what they're learning from here and make a story that has stakes, like Ryan is saying, and that that does uh, make us feel something more than that being scared is bad. And I think they had a really, they have a really great path ahead with Wonder Woman. And I think I'm actually kind of optimistic about Aquaman. I just, it'll, I'm, I'm at least happy to see the character again. But I think when we when we think about Superman, especially being this sort of icon of hope. Um, I think they've got a lot of work to do, but we'll see. We'll see. But I, I'm, I'm glad I saw it. Ratings. This is out of five stars. I'm gonna give it a three. I think I'm. Oh yeah, I'm hovering between like a three and a two and a half. I think three two. Three point two. No, three as well. Oh, three okay. in addition. Tambien. I would give it a two, but I'm gonna acknowledge the fact that this is an impossible task, so I'm gonna give it a two point five. But we, I, I mean. Mike, I know you're you're being kind of hard on yourself here, but we all agree this is better than Batman versus Superman. <laughs> right, but I mean, sh- well, right, and I try every day not to get shot in the head. Like, I mean, there's no comparison. <laughs> like, Batman versus Superman was an affront to human nature and all that's good in the world. So, I mean, I at least I got to enjoy watching aspects of this film for sure, a hundred percent. But like, uh, yeah, so I think two point five is generous. Also, does everyone just know that Clark is Superman now? Yeah, that oh, yeah I laughed at one point when they were they were yelling, calling him Clark in front of all the cops. I was like, all right, <laughs> at, least, well. at least Wonder Woman had the decency to call him Kal-El. Kal-El, yeah, for sure. And also, just, yeah. my final point before we go, I feel like Bruce Wayne would have never let Martha Kent's house get foreclosed. No way. Yeah, he'd have been monitoring. Especially yeah. after feeling guilt about him dying. There's no way he would have allowed that to happen. 
No way. I mean, it, it, I, I get they wanted to set up the nice moment of redemption at the end, but like, there's no way that would have happened. God, there were all those scenes between Lois and Diane Lane where you're just like, what is going? What is going on? Oh, she's I forgot. She's a terrible Lois. Elevated me, Adams, but she's a terrible Lois, and she, she, I've never bought her as Lois, and I've never bought them together in a relationship. They never, they never flesh that out. Anyway, let's stop talking about this movie. Anyway, all right, all right. So we did. we're gonna we're gonna talk about the the final special edition podcast for the year will be super uh, Star Wars: The Last Jedi. And if you were in the theater with Mike and I and Megan, you would have saw us all burying our heads and sticking our fingers in our ears when the trailer came on. Yeah, for a while, my movie was actually in 3D because I had rubbed my eyes and my ears so hard <laughs> that I was seeing double. It was intense. And that new Star Wars trailer is apparently very long. Yeah. Just, <laughs> it just kept going. It's like, how long can I uh, last? <laughs> my, my fingers jammed into the first knuckle into my ear. It means and... I saw Connor doing it. I was like, what is he doing? I'm like, oh, crap. And then I just started doing it. It was like wordless. It was so funny. And then I started giggling to myself because when I'm under stress, I start laughing. And it was really digging. And I felt bad for the guy right next to me, like wondering what's going on. <laughs> oh, it was really bad. So that'll be really... our last uh, special edition show over the year. That'll be coming uh, mid-December. Uh, you can look forward Exciting. to that. Uh, there's a couple more Pick of the Week podcasts before we take our yearly break. And, of course, we're going to end the year with the all-media special edition show. So you can check all those out at iFanboy.com. You can find all of our podcasts there. And until next time, I'm Connor. I'm Mike. And I'm Ryan. Booyah. My man! My man! The Justice League of America, the combined might and power of the Man of Steel and the Cosmic Crusader, the Winged Avenger and the King of the Sea, the Tiny Titan and the Scarlet Streak, all working together for good against evil as the Justice League of America.